hello, hello, everyone. It's Tuesday, actually. We're usually on for Wednesday, but it's Tuesday and it's time for Pop and Politics. Uh, tonight, we are talking about the Iowa caucus, uh, the uh, primary, the uh, GOP primary that occurred last night. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all everything that occurred. And then going into New Hampshire, we're going to give perspective and uh, outcome and what we think is going to happen going forward. We also we have a special guest with us tonight. We have Nathaniel Gavronsky. He is a political consultant and he was there in Iowa last night. So we're going to pick his brain about what occurred, what didn't happen, and what does he thinks is going to happen going into New Hampshire. How are you tonight, uh, Nathaniel? I'm doing great. It's nice to have the caucuses finally over with. It's been a long 18 months. I'm sure. I'm sure. All right. We're going to get into it before we start. Um, again, as I always say, join the conversation by leaving a comment on YouTube or Twitter. We will check the comments periodically throughout the show. And don't just comment, subscribe. Subscribe to our social media so you always know when we post new content. You can check us out also on our website at www.popandpoliticslive.com. We are also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So if you can't watch us, you can always listen to us as you work or as you drive. You can do that again on Apple or Spotify and Rumble. We're on Rumble as well. You guys know we are an independent media. So each time you subscribe, each time you donate, it helps to make our uh, our voice that much stronger. And we're going to need it, guys. We're going to go over the data tonight coming out of these exit polls. And the question is, I mean, some of it isn't too great for Trump. So we're going to talk about it all, but we need everybody, every voice, especially ours, to be amplified over the next 294 days. That's 294 days to the general election, I believe. Um, we need it. So uh, again, um, we love your, our super chatters. If you hear something you like and you want to support that way, you can certainly do it that way through super chatting also. All right. How are you ladies doing? Shelly and Crystal? Good. Hey, y'all. Right. My boy pulled out that 30-point win, not just the win, but the 30-point Yes, he did. Yes, he did. All right. So we're going to get right into this. Um, so I want to start with you uh, tonight, Nathaniel. First, a lot of people actually asked me about the Iowa caucus, especially being from Baltimore with city girls. Why is the first primary in Iowa? Can you answer that? Why is it there? Basically, it, it's the math. See, Iowa took a long time to actually elect its delegates from the precinct to the county, to the district, to the state, and then to elect those delegates forward to the national convention. So they had to set their caucus date considerably earlier than everyone else. So they had the time to get all those local elections taken care of for the national convention. What that allowed Iowa to do was be first. And what really kind of hit this off was the 1976 cycle when it was kind of contested on who was going to be the nominee on the Democratic side, actually. And this this played a, a role on the Republican side as well. But in, in 1976, everyone came through here and they ran. And to be honest, the only guy who didn't lose 
was Jimmy Carter. And so Jimmy Carter's name went forward to New Hampshire and everyone was like, well, who's this? Who's Jimmy Carter? But people out there had no idea who this guy was, but they knew that all of the front runners, they didn't like him. In fact, in Iowa, no one liked the front runners. And so they didn't vote for him and not aligned, which means no one got the majority of the vote is actually the people who won the state. Um, and so it's, it's, it's that filtering out of bad candidates. So like you see, like uh, Howard Dean uh, lost, he was the front runner. He was supposed to be the number one guy and, and John Kerry beat him out. Um, you see people that oftentimes, you know, win the caucuses, but they, they, they uh, they didn't actually win the the general election. There's a lot of uh, things behind the scenes that happened with that. Like in 2020, on the Democratic side, Pete Buttigieg actually won the entire primary. They just didn't want him. They wanted Joe Biden. And but, the but why? Why Iowa though? That's well, just because the, the time they took start us to, earlier. They start yeah, earlier picking their delegates. Yeah, to get our delegates, and, and it takes because, a longer time for them because they still use a caucus, a caucus format versus a straight primary like we do here in Maryland. And we actually have a higher turnout typically on a caucus, which you have to be there in person to do than primaries do. Okay. But it was just on process of getting the delegates. But even the Republican side, um, people who have won get that name recognition in New Hampshire the week later, and that carries them through quite a bit. And we do a lot of filtering out of candidates that don't really need to be in the race because we'll sit through and we'll go to absolutely everyone's everything and say, no, dude, like, get out. Like, we ain't, we're not biting. That's, that's why you saw, like, Lindsey Graham not go very far. Um, mm -hmm. You see people um, like... Eric Swalwell drop out. In fact, he, um, Beto O'Rourke and Kamala Harris both dropped out before the caucuses well, in 2020. Kamala Harris did awful. She was always an awful candidate, and she did awful in her primary. Right, and that they're on the bus. Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to move on though. I know because I want to pick your brain about what happened yesterday. So we saw Donald Trump just totally wiped out the field. I mean, he did well. Uh, he did extremely well. I mean, what are they saying? He uh, he is he did so well, he uh, doubled the record for largest margin of victory set yeah. by the history of the caucus. Set yeah, by it was 30 Dole. points is the new record. The previous was Bob Dole in, in, in 88, and that right. was uh, 12%. And uh, remember, Bob Dole didn't actually end up winning the uh, the, the whole primary. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's like I said, we filter out more than select the people who are actually right, running, who's going to run. But this is huge. You understand, this was, there was one vote one vote in Johnson County, Iowa, where the university, where the People's Republic of Johnson County is, in Iowa City, Iowa, where the University of Iowa is, one vote kept Donald John Trump from winning all 99 counties, which has never happened at all, ever. Mm -hmm. So, uh, he, did, he had an amazing night. He had an amazing night. I mean, it was so great that it, they called it before some of the polls even opened. Is that correct? They will call it. They called his win before some people had even voted. You know, we've heard of them calling it before the polls close, but not before 
they actually opened. They called him as the winner, which kind of upset some people. Well, actually, but, here, here's okay. So here's how Iowa does it. We keep very, very accurate voter rolls. In fact, if you miss an election cycle, you get put on hiatus. If you miss another vote, you're off the voting rolls. Oh, so wow. only current members, only current and active voters stay on those voter rolls. Good. And, Yes, that. Iowa knows what we're doing. We have probably the best secretary of state in the entire country, Paul Pate, in Iowa. Okay, so here's how the, you go in. You have to give your name. You have to show your voter ID, registration card or your voter ID. Now, you can also register to vote same day, but you have to have a, a photo ID, a government-issued photo ID that's current. You have to have several pieces of mail. You have to prove, you have to have more, you have to go in like you're, you know, getting a passport basically to get on to register same day. And here's the thing, the line for same day registration was very long. Yeah, that's what I heard. The lines were long. Um, and, and, and that's what I heard. Some people were upset. And uh, that's what I wanted to ask you. Did you hear, did you get that sense that some people were upset when they called it for Trump and they hadn't even voted yet? Only because they wanted to get a chance to get home and before and watch them announce it live on TV. Okay. Here's the thing: we so they they say statewide we didn't get the number that we had hoped. We only you know we, we, because of the weather. Oh, Listen, it was negative twenty two twenty two Fahrenheit in Iowa. Right, right. That's on top of a blizzard. Two blizzards actually hit Iowa, and Siberian temperatures all at the same time in Iowa. And we had 100,000 people come out to vote in rural areas where some of these voting places are on gravel roads where there's very little light. And we had massive turnouts in some of these rural areas, um, which typically is opposite. The urban areas usually have a higher turnout. This time, the urban, like, no, we ain't playing. We ain't letting them try to run some of the candidate. It's our guy. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah. we had massive, massive. So, here's the thing: we have been checking with these people and calling these people. They're like caucus captains. We were responsible for locating and calling and visiting. I was door knocking in net and sub-zero temperatures for weeks. I still actually have some frostbite in my hand. Say, hello, the caucuses are on Monday the fifteenth. Can I count on you? They're like, yeah, we'll come hell or high water, and they did. Wow. Yeah. So, what <laughs> you ladies involved in this? Um, as we know, uh, um, Nikki Haley, I'm sorry, DeSantis came in second uh, with, I think, like 21%. And Nikki 21.2% to Nikki oh. Haley's 19%. Okay. Uh, so what's next? I mean, we go on to New Hampshire. I want to open it up the floor. You know, do you guys think that DeSantis and Nikki should stay in? Should they get out? What, what's your thoughts there? I'll start with you, Shelly. Yeah. Um, actually, I want them to stay in until there is no reason for them to be in. I mean, I wanted them to take it all the way. I think New Hampshire and or South Carolina will be the, the demarcation line for both of them, not just one of them, for both of them. Um, the the exit poll, you we want to talk about that a little bit. The exit polls, I still say give us should give us some concern, at least on the Republican side. Yes, I am, you know, I'm ecstatic. I'm happy that Trump won. But some of the exit polling data I've been saying for weeks, we are still are not taking note because we are not uh, prepared for some contingencies that can occur. Yeah. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this, Crystal. Yeah, I know you are big. You know, that's your boy. Daddy's coming back home, it looks like. 
Trump won. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Do you think DeSantis and Nikki Haley should should have should buy out, should have got, done concession seats speeches last night, or do you think they should keep going? Yeah, for sure. Like, if anybody cares anything about this republic and maintaining it, they should really see that there's. I mean, there's there may like I'm some kind of hell Mary for one of them for a path to victory, but there there is none. I mean, the 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 MAGA movement is honestly just it's just y'all y'all gotta live with it i'm sorry and honestly if um ron DeSantis has and i honor that man he he's the only person i've always said that if i had to vote for somebody other than trump meaning trump is in a grave i would vote for Ron, ron DeSantis. but if he wants to have any kind of political future he has got to throw his weight behind Donald Trump. And Nikki Haley, I mean, she's a disaster. I mean, like, besides the fact that she's dumb, um, she is just so embarrassing to 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 me as a conservative, as a woman, as a female. I am telling you, and you guys do not like this, um, and y'all might not like it, some, I would vote for Hillary before I vote for Nikki Haley. Honest oh. to God. I, I would. All right. Well, before we go on to that, I want to because that's actually I want to. We had low turnout yesterday in Iowa compared to previous uh, uh, caucuses. But I want to get your thoughts on this, Nathaniel. As far as you know, is having a number two important to have this time due to how the left uh, and the mainstream is coming and plotting against Trump? Is it is that important to have? Well constitutionally you can run for president from jail constitutionally speaking here's the thing all the things that they are tracking on donald trump as far as all the indictments all are uh, going against you know the 14th amendment saying that because the 14th amendment his actions he is then disqualified for running or they're civil basically because the stuff going on in new york that's right so Anyone who knows anything about business will tell you that mark-to-market price and what you list things for are two different things because mark-to-market depends on the day you list it, not anything else. And the banks are the ones who actually appraise these things, not the owner. Mm -hmm. Um, And he actually has to list them for sale before there's ever an appraisal done. I mean, New York and Baltimore and Chicago real estate would cease to exist if what they're trying to pull in New York actually gets pulled through. And everything else on the 14th Amendment, listen, he was not convicted of any crimes uh, when he was president. He was not, he was he, he, he was acquitted from the impeachment. Uh, he was not listed in January 6 inquiries that he actually had anything to do with it. He, he pulled out the, tw- the, the, the tweets and he was trying to tweet out the time you know, people to go home. Twitter or not now X took took down his his message, telling everyone to go home. I mean, you can't have an interaction. We have talked about that recently, you know, on the show. But I'm saying is that you can't hold him accountable for all that stuff without actually having being convicted. Because there's the first ten amendments. Yeah. So you have to completely forget exists in order for their argument on the 14th. The, the thing whole. is, the, the thing is, Nathaniel, again, I voted for Trump twice. I'm, I mean, I, if he wins, he wins. I'm going to vote for him again. As a, on the conservative side, my concern is that 
even if DeSantis and Nikki uh, uh, would fall out, whatever, they give up their campaign, we still are not prepared as a, on the Republican side to address the potential contingencies that may arise during these, these next few months. He is being charged with some serious crimes. I think the crimes and the charges are bogus, but nevertheless, there is at least one potential uh, charge that he could be convicted on, and we're not preparing for those contingencies. I want him to win. Well, that's that's what the convention's for, actually. And nice. look at look at the contested conventions in the past. You look at the at the eighteen seventy six cycle, the uh, eighteen forty four cycle, the eighteen twenty four cycle. Uh, these were contested conventions, and they went in with some other person and left with someone completely different. I mean, the eighteen. No, I'm not saying even. I'm not even saying some other person. I'm saying we need to be prepared if Trump is actually get if he actually gets convicted. We don't have a, a backup, so I don't know if it's going to be Nikki or uh, or Ron. It's not going to be Vivek right now. It seems to be. But they don't need I'm to. Just saying we're not prepared. Yeah, but like, 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 oh yeah, it doesn't matter. We don't need one of those because the convention the, the, the convention will do it. They, they don't what do you mean by that? That's what, what do you they mean by the convention will do it? Okay, so say we have a front runner. Say say Donald Trump's the front runner, and then for some reason he can't be the he can't be the nominee. We can nominate at the convention as if there were no primaries, no caucuses at all ever. Yes, that's we can I'm... we can do it that way, and um, it's been done that way historically. I mean the so like Adams. Jefferson, Madison, Monroe—they were all done through the convention. Yeah, they um, don't need to. Run, they don't need to run against him to be a contingency plan. They don't need to spend a hundred million dollars, almost two hundred million dollars that could have been spent to. Um, and I, I heard Charlie Kirk actually say this: like they are trying to really have some on the ground um, ballot. You know, making sure we do some ballot chasing, do some actual real work, and these people are out here just wasting the voters' money because they somehow believe that they have a chance to take down the giant. Like. It's not smart. It's actually really stupid. And if if Donald Trump is convicted and, and he has all these problems, like, let's deal with it then. But right now, he's our guy. And, so uh, and, to, her, and to her point, and to her point, exactly, is that this uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats aren't going to show up with empty buckets. And you bet they're going to be running some, some 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 tricks. So we better be spending more of our money on preparing our poll watchers and educating our local people in some, in those five counties that were in, in question in 2020. We better be spending our money as the Republicans on that. But the reason why a lot of these people are still running is because they got to grease the hands of consultants and think tankers. This is a business more than it is public service. And listen, I, I, I being someone who lives in Iowa a good chunk of the year uh, and, and is doing, doing, doing politics for my entire adult life, I can tell you that more of the, of the campaign expenditures are more on how to pay off consultants and think tanks and have that money circle back to you than it is actually trying to get your message out and service the people. Uh, like Donald Trump is the only one, and, and Vivek, Vivek and Donald Trump are the only two that I've ever seen actually run and do this not to enrich anybody. Listen, I, I, I can take you to all of these campaigns as, as, as people, the PACs people, and show you where this money is going. 
it's circling, circling, and circling, making people rich and you know, with consultants and think tankers. Um, it, that's where all the money's going. It doesn't actually benefit anyone but Let these, me say these, this, these though. I have heard from people, and I know you have worked or you've spoken with the DeSantis, Casey and Ron DeSantis. I have heard that it is a little bit different with them. I have heard that Ron DeSantis you know, is coming from a place where he feels like it's more of a mission for him to run. Um, I do think that, you know, I've talked with people within his camp that if he doesn't do well in New Hampshire, it's pretty much, you know, going to be the end for him. But I have heard that he genuinely really wants to, he's running to really make this country better. That I, would be true. That okay. would be true. Um, and here's the thing. I, I don't agree with him on a couple of very, very important issues. And I made that very apparent to him. Um, I actually talked to, to Casey on the on the telephone about 30 minutes before the caucus started and explained to her that, you know, why I was going to be supporting Donald Trump. Um, and she said, you know, what? I understand it. I, I appreciate your friendship. I'm, gl I'm so glad I got to meet you and that you, you know, spent time getting to know us. And she's like, I can't wait to actually get to see you again. We'll, we'll be back to help Governor Reynolds in Iowa. Uh so I, I have I have a close friendship with, with Casey and Ron DeSantis. Um, I've hung out with their kids quite a bit. We were playing football, uh, you know, catch. I mean, I I know all of these candidates, and I do mean all of them quite well at this point. Even the ones that have been have been dropped out since the, you know the summer. I've I know all of them. I have I have most of their cell phone numbers. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about anybody. Not even Nikki Haley. I I agree with her the least. Um, on her, especially on her foreign policy, which is all go blow everything up. She has the worst policy on social security, the least amount of knowledge on social security and retirement and Medicare and Medicaid. She's, yeah. She's got the least amount of knowledge on a majority of the issues. Um, that makes her more ignorant than dumb, but it still makes her, you know, to the point where she's not really at the same level as Ron and, and Donald. As yes. far as being able to implement and manage, she did some great things in South Carolina, but I was actually there in her office when she was governor telling her, oh, by the way, the Chinese are buying up all your real estate and they're taking the market value of rent from like $800 and $900 a month to your ceiling for Section 8 which is $2,000 cuz the Chinese are buying up all the buildings, raising all the rent to the to the max for section well, 8. Nathaniel, Nathaniel. She probably said she probably said what's market rate? But actually she did. Well um so what were what were some of the um some of the issues or some of the challenges with the exit polling? Some of the um issues on which the numbers kind of they may have gone against Trump. Yes, he won, but what were some of the people saying on the exit polling? Well, on the exit polling, a lot of them, you know, say, you know, they talk about, you know, the indictments. And I said, every minor, listen, the Supreme Court is going to rule on this all in Donald Trump's favor. In fact, it's even baked in that the, that the Supreme Court is going to do this. Uh, again, a lot of these proceedings and, you know, Maine, we're throwing about the ballot, Colorado, New York, D.C., Georgia, Florida, is that these people are elected officers. And they need something to run on, something to campaign on, to fundraise on. That's exactly the reason they did what they did, is that they got they, they campaigned on it. They've got to act on it so they can campaign on it again. 
that's the reason why he hasn't been indicted. They pick courts and, and, and grand juries. They know we're going to indict him. I mean, you can indict a ham sandwich. It doesn't mean that it's, that, 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 the, the, that it's guilty. I mean, it's, it's just the way our, our legal system works and the way some of our elections work in some of these states. Is- now, let me ask you this, though, because I want to get back to something you said about the exit poll, um, because I did look into some of the data. Um, so, of course, we we mentioned earlier on in the show, Trump had a momentous night, record-setting night, but there were some things that could give us pause. So one of those is the low voter turnout. Um, so uh, we saw that uh, we did, of course, as you mentioned, Nathaniel, there was terrible winter weather, but 41% drop since 2016 in GOP voter turnout is unexpected. Um, I know in Iowa, you guys have the most registered Republicans. It's the worst turnout rate in Iowa caucus history since 1976. Now we saw in 2016, we didn't have a good turnout on the GOP side. The Democrats overperformed us in voter turnout. What's going on? Why Why aren't Republicans turning out for probably the most important election of our lifetime. Well, again, and the campaign even warned against this. Don't get complacent. Listen, Donald Trump had rallies that were thousands of people. Every single one, two a week, two, two, two in a day, two camp, two campaign rallies a day with three thousand people at both of them. While Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy and the others couldn't pull in a hundred among the rest of them. But this was even, even, even if this they did a rally in the same town, yeah, even if they did a rally in the same town, the, the overflow still wouldn't go to Ron and, and Nikki and Asa or Vivek. I mean, we're talking, they actually were shrinking some of their venues because they couldn't fill them. They just couldn't fill them. Yeah. And, and well, numbers don't lie. Another number that they had here um, within the data is the evangelicals. So the exit polls show the evangelicals were the second lowest rate of turnout in the history of Iowa caucusing. So uh, the lowest rate was 52%, and this one was at 55%, a nine-point drop from 2016. Now, we saw this in the uh, the, the um, in 2016 and in the um, congressional election. Evangelical is one of our largest voting blocks for Republicans. If we don't get evangelicals to turn out in a general election, we're done. We're done. Oh, they're going to be there. They're going to be there for the general. Why why aren't they turning out like they have done in the election? Again, because the the campaign even warned that don't get complacent. We were so far ahead. I mean, we were so, so far ahead that with the weather conditions, Everyone knew, like, listen, Trump's going to win. The, the, you know, the, the caucus captain for Nikki Haley in my precinct didn't even show up. I want to get they your thoughts on this, it, it, wasn't worth, it wasn't worth her time getting out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, she well, you know, to me. I can I can appreciate the weather in Iowa, you know, right now. I can certainly appreciate that. It it kind of concerns me because when we take that to a general election, if we have that same mentality amongst oh, our, it won't be the general election is completely no, no, different. No, I'm just saying if that mentality is there because they're saying, Oh, he's so far ahead, then I think the media can use that and they'll start calling like they like they like to play the little games with the with the uh with the elections. They'll start calling things over in Arizona. When the time difference is still East time, Eastern time, and polls and haven't even closed yet, I just don't want us to get complacent and not show up because you know they're thinking that oh he's so far ahead. So see, we <laughs> learned from, from twenty, we learned from twenty twenty, yeah, and we know they're going to play those planks, we will play those games, and so we we are going to be prepared for that, and so we know that even if we are ahead. That they are going to try to cheat to put themselves ahead. So the only way to prevent them from being able to cheat is overwhelming force in numbers. Well, we didn't do it in Georgia. On our, on our own we side, not, on our own pocket. That's why we have Warnock. They didn't come out in Georgia. Well, they did not. And not only that, but again, we've seen that Trump. Twice, actually. Trump, they didn't come out Trump, twice. Right. But Trump, he does energize Democrats. He energizes them to come out. We've seen this in previous elections, 2016 and 2022, where the Democrats had large turnouts for these elections. So we have to get Republicans to turn out. I don't even understand why they would. I mean, with, with, with the things going on, the border, we have crime up all over the country. Uh, you know, they're trying to, this whole sexualization of children, I mean, these are major issues. The economy, uh, right. inflation is in double digits still. We That's, have to yeah. get people to we turn. To do it. Yeah. Not only that, I don't see us on the outside. We haven't, to me, I haven't seen us taking a more active, assertive effort with the ballot harvesting or um, or whatever, getting the ballots out for the people who won't go to the polls. We kind of been lax on that. I don't oh, think that's been changed in New York. So the Republicans in New York and California have gotten on board with this. We, we've understand that, listen, it's not it, the, the way our grandparents used to vote. It's not the way they're going to get it. That's how they're going to do it. Then we have to learn how to do it to invest people to do it better than they do. Now, for example, in Iowa, ballot, ballot harvesting is just basically this. That someone goes and picks up the ballot and takes it to the to the to but the. But we the are not. Place. We are not utilizing our resources to not just educate, but to make that an issue, to make that an important. Yeah, way because to everybody, because everybody wants to be a star, and that's my issue with the whole Nikki Haley, and my issue with the whole Ron DeSantis, even my issue with Vivek. Like, dude, like we need to be focusing on general election. You sit up here trying to beat a man that you know was good for the it's not like you didn't think that he was bad of course you you think that he's a loud loud mouth new yorker you don't like his personality the whole grab him by the pussy you hate okay fine ultimately in the four years that he was president he did a good job y'all are all under the age of 60. sit your ass down and get behind the nominee and let's go to work all right well speaking of that let's talk about the, his numbers in the suburbs this was another exit poll data. Uh, you know, Trump only averaged 41% in Iowa's four largest counties. That's 10% lower than he ran statewide. He is still underperforming in suburbs, suburban moms, women. This has been a weak point for him in the past. 
And looking at these numbers, it is still a weak point for him. Why messaging. aren't suburban moms voting for him? Messaging. It's messaging. And okay. it's the camp the campaign, I'll be honest, a lot of these campaign staff, if they it, uh, this is with every campaign, and it's also with a lot of the official staff in DC in the congressional offices. Most of these guys are just doing this job so they can become official staff, then be either become a lobbyist or become a news pundit. That's their goal. So they're not really looking caring about the messaging, they're just checking off the boxes of what they do from a campaign they win. This is where you three ladies are going to come in. Here's the messaging for suburban moms. Okay, for one, they have different outlooks on literally everything. Most of them, if not every single one of them, know someone who has a child or their child has a friend who has a disabled sibling at home living on a, a very, very low fixed income or living on disability this is something that these suburban moms are aware of. One, like the community issues, the fact that their neighbor isn't able to make it because they have they have a, a, a special needs child at home. Their other neighbor who's living on a fixed income from retirement and because of uh, Biden's policies, they've really screwed this guy. But then the people in the terms of the campaign on messaging don't even know how to talk to them because they've never lived that life. You guys, you three have experienced the life under Donald Trump. So listen, there were more startups, black-owned businesses starting up under Donald Trump than any time in history. 61% of all new businesses were women. Um, he had the lowest unemployment for all minority groups in history under Trump. You had the highest, uh, fastest-growing will real wages at 4.3%. Since World War II, you had um, the highest levels of production made in America since World War II. You guys are going to feel that more so than the consultants and more so than the think tankers who only have to push a pencil for work. Who don't have to worry about balancing that budget because they have a trust fund that someone 20 years ago set up for them. The messaging is going to come from you. The grassroots is what wins elections. And actually, that's how what that's what won elections all the way from Washington up to FDR. Right. So yeah, and we keep that, talking about we keep talking about messaging. Like, I mean, like suburban moms, what do we care about more than anything in the entire planet? More than children. our husbands, our children. children. And Republicans are trying their best to bring. I don't I don't know what it's gonna take, but you literally, I talked to some suburban moms and they're more concerned about their 12-year-old having a an abortion than a freaking sex change. What is going on? And we have to start shaming the people that are manipulating these suburban moms with, oh my God, what if your 12-year-old gets raped? What if your 12-year-old comes home and says she hates you, white, white devil mother? That, that actually happened to uh, one of the people I door knocked on. That was that exact quote. What? A 15-year-old kid, 15-year-old daughter uh, came home and they were going over the homework and the mom was trying to explain a little bit more about the Mayflower Pact and the the, the very first the very very first treaty with Europeans and Native Americans, like as far as like we're gonna work together, was the Native Americans that worked with the Pilgrims. That hey, you guys got those boomsticks. We will feed you if you will help us go take out this enemy tribe. So it was war between Native Americans versus Native Americans, and the Pilgrims just happened to pick a side because they were offered food. 
That is, and she, that's what the mom was trying to explain. And the, the 15 year old girl is like, no, you guys, the whites are trying to exterminate all the natives. He's like, no, actually the natives were exterminating the other natives. We just got caught in the middle of it because we were trying to starve. And also, so like, uh, uh, again, the every aspect oh. of minority politics, uh, black, white, red, green, yellow, all of them, it's complicated. They were on both sides of every issue, and I do mean every issue. Um, but, this is what the, but the left tries to paint everything based off of race. And speaking of that, yes. I want to show you guys this clip. This is a clip there, as we've mentioned, uh, you know, Trump won major way, momentous night. And because of that, the liberals and leftists lost their mind. Lost their mind. So much so that Job security for, for therapists. Yeah, Joy Reid even had on the ugliest blonde wig I have ever seen in my life. What, her actual hair? I don't know if it was a wig. I, I, no, I, think, that was, I think that was in tracks or whatever they call it. Weeds or whatever. Terrible mess. Listen, I, I, I met her and I've met her in, in person. She's a sleazy, sleazy person. He doesn't believe any of that stuff. Wait, 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 wait. Before I play the clip, so why do you say that? What did she do that with sleazy? A breath stain? Oh, I mean, okay. Well, she she comes out and she's all like really, really charming. Here's here's a, she like put her her hand on my cheek with with her fake nails, and you can tell she had them done cheaply, like really cheaply, and was like talking <laughs> like sweet to me. I'm like so shady. I was like, lady, like Wait, I know you. I know you. You. I know that you know that you're. I, you. I know that you know that I know that you're famous, but I don't care. Well, I mean, bubble, this bubble, she, bubble. This is what um, she thinks of of your of, of Iowans. Take a look here. Um, so let me see here. I'm gonna add this. All right, this is her responding to uh, the numbers coming out of Iowa. That last damn night. dude needs to be done. It, it looks hideous. Yeah. He's gonna probably talk about it a little more tonight. Is that these these are white Christians? That this is a state that is overrepresented overrepresented by white Christians that are going to participate in these tonight. caucuses, yes. especially tonight. Um, I today earlier today reached out to Robert Jones, Robbie Jones um, from the Public Religion Research Institute, knowing that we were going to talk about Iowa, and this is a hyper evangelical st white state. And he said the following to me: Iowa is about sixty one percent white Christian. The country as a whole is approximately forty one percent white Christian. And in Iowa, we're talking about evangelical white Christians. And he said the following. Because I asked him, what do they get out of supporting Donald Trump? Because he keeps losing, he keeps delivering losses and losses and losses. And he said the following, they see themselves as the rightful inheritors of this country. And Trump has promised to give it back to them. Where oh. is the lie? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I had to step away because I could smell her from here. Oh my gosh. Right. Look, what they what they what they see, they see Joy thinking that she's white too with that damn do-rag on her head trying to get back with the country that she claims her ancestors built. This is all this is just demagoguing. You know, she's trying to put fear 
There's no such thing as this Christian nationalism. White Christian evangelical. I love it. I'm Jewish, by the way. way. She's going to find a way to, to bring in race. And then she's trying to make, she's basically saying, she's basically saying ever so subtly, she's trying to make Christians basically tell them they're going to be Nazis. She's yeah. Because she's got this race element to it. From, she's Genesis, full of it. from Genesis to Revelation, God has removed people and taken land to people who are obedient to him. From what I heard in the history books, y'all can say all y'all want to, and the Native Americans, they were cannibalistic, they were sacrificing babies, and yes, you lost the fight. You lost your land. Too bad it was given to the pilgrims. We now have it. Thank God. God bless America. Enjoy right. the blessing. She's trying what, to put what, this what racist I, on there. This is right. That's what I'm well, Zip and then also understand. Before what, we move on, I just want to make a clip. Is me, and I'm not white, but I am, you know, a Bible believer. Anybody like to, should be upset by how she the disdain and the the nastiness she has in her voice for just Bible believers. Then she throws white in, you know. What is this is this is her way. Just like uh, Hillary Clinton said that the MAGA people were deplorables. This is her way of talking about Christians and, by extension, Americans anyway. But they got at least these blonde white Christians had their own real blonde hair. No, no, yeah, <laughs> not all of them. Yep, yep, you're right about that. Yeah, yeah, because some yeah, they like, talk like, about this cultural appropriation. She looks awful. She's way too dark to have that high yellow blonde hair. Well, and now, yes, I'm saying it. And it's, I, I don't hate. I don't hate the blonde hair. That's her look. I just. I terrible just look. Like it looks a mess hair. on her. And honestly, it's not. It's not black because because they 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 also mentioned that it looks very different. Christians in a black church look very different than white. Uh, Christians, unfortunately, and un the the black church has abandoned the word of God and abandoned the Bible. It's almost as if we just ignore every single thing and accept all this crap that the Democrats throw at us, this LGBTQ. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I've actually visited quite a few black churches. There's okay, actually a couple in Iowa. About the few. I'm not talking about the exceptions, and that's what we do. We say the exception is the rule. The, all, the majority of black churches have they they literally on the black radio stations they say oh we won when it's a democratic primary they literally have brainwashed the black church to say oh um whites are racist and um the black church should be going with the democrats and it's just not right if anything we have more in common with those evangelical christians that joy reed is mm -hmm. trying to get us to hate and those are our brothers and sisters and honestly joy reed and msnbc and all them other people rachel maddows the uh the carpet muncher those are the enemies of christ that's right. yeah but the thing is is that joy actually i agree with you crystal but joy reed this is not about religion for her this is about racism yes. and she's trying to stir up stuff she she could give a damn if they were buddhist for all that matter all she's concerned about more so is that they are white and they're right. a majority white state that's what her main issue is and, and that's actually my issue too because listen iowa as someone who travels from boston to bismarck down to Austin to Raleigh on a regular basis and every state in between. Iowa's genetic makeup is actually very close to the nation as a whole. 
our fascist demographic is Hispanic. We have a large African American, or I mean, not, I mean whatever you want, blacks or African Americans. It's, it's we have a large population of all these groups, and we have a lot of refugees from Asia that came back, came here back in the seventies. Uh, we have a lot of people who, for some reason, travel up here and moved here from Florida, Arizona, Texas, and and uh, Georgia. Actually, they've moved here from there. Reasons I don't understand, but they they have done so, and they like it here. And there's a lot of diversity of thought in Iowa, regardless of your skin color or your religion. And I don't know what churches you three are going to, but if that's you, please come to Iowa. I have some churches you three would love to come to. One of them is actually, the the, the preacher is actually a state rep here in Iowa. That would would probably count me out there, right there. But anyway. He's a Republican. You know, another thing to piggyback off what you said, Crystal, is when you go to these white churches, they're not talking about race. No. They're not talking about all this, uh, you know, well, if you're white, you got to do this. And if you're black, you got to do that. Like they do in the black churches. We all know. We, we know we've been to black right. churches in the urban city. All they do they is talk, talk and divide about race. Yeah. They don't do that in these white churches. I've been to white churches too. You don't, you don't hear them talking about white this and white that and all this type of stuff. But or even that's Donald not, Trump. That's not of God. Yeah, because that's their religion. Who talking these black churches or race? That is their religion. Race is their religion. Yeah. Yes, I I agree a hundred percent. And yes, I I don't. I mean, I'm sure you got a few in in Iowa. I believe you if you say it, Nathaniel. But I mean, I have not been to a black church where God can heal you. He can. He you're above and not beneath. You he is a you're the lender, not the barbara. Everything he can heal you from cancer, AIDS, but he can't heal you from racism. That's why God don't fool with some of us in here. Like I'm serious. Like everything, God is all powerful, except not powerful enough to help you with racism, not powerful enough to help you overcome the white man. He can't do that. Yeah. Then all three of you, you I invite all three of you to come to Iowa. Racism and leftism are their religion. And guess who their God is? The white man. Because they care more about what the white man thinks than they actually do care about what God thinks. So you're that's right. that's who their God is. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But this is what we need to do. I mean, and we have to wrap up for tonight. But, you know, this is what we want to get out to the masses um, and, and, and talk about. Uh, because we have... I mean, she also mentioned, Joy Reid also mentioned in that clip, you know, why do white evangelicals continue to vote for Trump or the Republican Party? Because you guys keep pushing these transing of kids. You guys keep pushing these open borders and these all these illegals coming in and changing our country. You guys keep pushing, you know, uh, um, lowering laws or or, um, trying to abolish the police. And our cities are in flames and we can't even walk down the street without being mugged or our, our cars being carjacked. This is why people are voting for Republican. Um, and it's crazy because they're voting for them even, even though the mainstream media and culture lie, lie, lie about it all. Yep, that's right. 
You can't do that in a small town. In Iowa, there's a lot of small town people with, with basic American Christian biblical values, and they don't want all of this stuff. They just want to be left alone with their guns, with their lands to praise their God. Yeah, yeah, we want and and honestly, like they can say whatever while they're sitting at that MSNBC and in Washington DC. These people, we want our life back. You can tell us till you're blue in the face that oh, inflation is actually down. Unemployment is doing great. You know, the job market is awesome. Inflation's not down on groceries. Exactly. You can tell me till you blue in the face, but I live it every single day and we cannot continue to 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 believe a lash when it's looking dead in front of our face. The inflation is raising household costs. $750 a month per household. Wow. Oh, not according to Biden today. He was, oh, inflation is actually down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They, they, they don't measure everything in inflation. They don't measure groceries. They don't, they don't measure a lot of uh, daily required home products. Uh, they, they use gas. Uh, they use a couple of other like benchmark things that they review, but it doesn't actually your daily the the, the weekly paycheck expenditures of Americans is is actually almost never calculated in the inflation numbers, um, and we 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 keep raising the minimum wages and as le leading to higher lot unemployment because these businesses can't afford paying people who have no skills at all seventeen dollars an hour. Because the people who then have to demand those services, in order to make the business work, they can't afford the increase and in, in cost of the of the goods and services being provided, and it's going to create a down spiral. And listen, we're if you if twenty nine was it was nothing compared to what we're looking at at the economy at the scale of what we're talking about, high inflation, high employment at the same time. If you have high inflation. And high high unemployment at the same time, which could happen. 06 is going to look like, and 08 is going to look like a like a breeze in the park. You're going to yeah. have to start bringing back Don Don Donald Trump's policies of made in America, uh, putting American citizens first before before corporate America, putting American tax dollars to work for Americans, to allow Americans to have the liberty and the freedom. Uh, uh, to to cr to create their own jobs, to create a living for themselves, have allow them to feel like they can have children because they're going to be their children. They're going to raise those children as they see fit. If you give if you give Americans those tools, they will build you a great economy. And if you if you take off the shackles of oppression, self oppression to the blacks uh, that uh, put on you know you know because you're black you can't do it because you're black you're always going to be oppressed because you're black they'll always beat you. If you deshackle that community from from that narrative and give them the tools of entrepreneurship of of liberty uh safety you will see the largest growth of gdp and private wealth this world has ever seen all right thank you all right well um we have to wrap it there i will ask you guys just one last question this i want a quick answer quick response uh new hampshire we know trump will probably take that who do you think will come in second? I'll start with you, Nathaniel. Just quick, quick response. Honestly, I think it depends. It could be, it could be Ron DeSantis if his advantage in South Carolina looks good. Uh, don't forget, Nikki Haley is not really liked in New Hampshire either. I still put Ron DeSantis and Nikki at almost neck to neck, giving the edge out to Ron because of Casey. 
Okay. And then South Carolina, I think that'll be the end of it. I think Nikki will drop out. Ron will go for a little while longer than drop out. All right, Crystal, who do you think is going to come in second in New Hampshire? Hopefully none of them, and they all catch a break and go, Ron, Florida needs a governor, sir. All right. And Shelly, final thoughts for you. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a second. I'm, I, no, let me take that back. I think they're going to drop out, like I said earlier, after New Hampshire or South Carolina. They're going to they're going to um, close their campaigns, suspend their campaigns. But I'm going to go with uh, DeSantis. Oh, for New Hampshire. Yeah, second second place, not first. Second right, place. right, second place. Okay. If New Hampshire, if New Hampshire is smart, that's what they'll do. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, I'm well right now. And again, the polls are pushing Nikki Haley. That's something we didn't talk about. Uh, but she is getting polls uh, pushing her. Dems are pushing her up in these polls. She's kind of like the Dem favorite right now. Uh, they're even praising her on The View. And they're so, switching sides. So New right. Hampshire, you can switch to the other primary. They have an open primary. I think they have an open primary. Yeah. So, so uh, to be honest with you, Nikki winning or doing really well in New Hampshire is going to be a telltale sign to the other Republicans. Like she's not the one yeah. because uh, because of this, because of this, because of the, the money and where the money is coming from and the fact that Dems are voting for her. I think that's this telltale sign to the Republicans. Like she might've been a really decent governor. I mean, she was a decent governor of South Carolina and she did her job at the UN, but for this presidential run, she's not the right person for us at this time. Okay. Not at all. All right. All right. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for watching. Thank you all of you guys who turned out this late night show uh, to watch with us. We certainly appreciate it. We will be back tomorrow night. So um, log in 8 p.m. Tomorrow night we'll be in the studio. So please uh, log in uh, to watch us tomorrow night. Uh, again, this is Pop and Politics. We are live uh, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Again, tomorrow we're going to be live from the studio. Thank you so much for uh, hanging in with us tonight, Nathaniel. Stay safe out there in Iowa. Hopefully uh, you won't get any more snow <laughs> uh, coming in. We got some snow today. So uh, here. Oh, it's going to be a high of zero degrees the next couple of days. Oh, my gosh. Lucky you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this brings us to the end of the show. Before, oh, actually, before I close it out, Nathaniel, can you share your links on where people can find you or chat with you uh, on social media? Yeah, I'm on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, at Nate Gavronsky. Uh, on, on the gram, it's Nathaniel A. Gavronsky and Nathaniel Gavronsky. I have one that's kind of East Coast, one that's kind of the Midwest, uh, and then Facebook, uh, Nathaniel Gavronsky. All right, sounds good. Again, continue the conversation by checking us out on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, uh, also on Instagram, and subscribe. If you guys are watching tonight and you haven't done so, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and also hit that notification bell. Also, follow us on our Twitter or actually on our X <laughs> um, at Pop and Politics. We are on YouTube also at Pop and Politics. Again, that's the way you get up-to-the-minute content when we post, and we appreciate the support. We have a country to save. Yes. This is critical, critical. As parents, as women, as uh, just Americans, 
we have to get on board and get the word out. The best way you can do that is to share our broadcast. Yes, share, 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 and subscribe. Again, we are an independent media. Each time you subscribe, it helps make our voice that much stronger. We are a necessary voice in news and entertainment. Until tomorrow, tomorrow at 8 p.m. So you can see us again tomorrow. We're going to be hot and we're going to be fast tomorrow. We got a lot to cover. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be talking about Fannie Willis over in Georgia. Uh, we got a lot to say about what she's been talking about. Uh, we're going to talk about the view and the lies and the spew they've been putting out. Uh, we got and we got some to bring you some breaking news out of here in Maryland, a local private school pushing sexualization of children right here in Maryland. This is happening all across the country. We thought it was just public. Now it's private. Uh, so check us out tomorrow, 8 p.m. We look forward to it. Until then, count your blessings and live a life of purpose. Good night. Good night.